Welcome. You're listening to The Difference at Work, a KGA podcast for managers and HR professionals eager to hear from experts and bring new perspectives to our work. In offering employee assistance and work-life programs, KGA hears from clients every day about their increasingly complex work environments. On our podcast, you'll have a front row seat for conversations touching upon everything from crisis management and addiction to employee engagement and stress. I am Seth Muller, president of KGA. Today's episode of The Difference at Work is focused on transgender inclusivity in the workplace. My guest is Mason Dunn. Mason is a transgender rights advocate and the executive director of Massachusetts Transgender Political Coalition. MTPC works to end discrimination based on gender identity and expression. Mason is a member of the New Hampshire Bar Association and a faculty member at the University of New Hampshire at Manchester. Mason speaks to many audiences, including professional associations in the greater Boston area, about issues facing transgender people in the workplace, in education, and everyday life. Mason, thank you for joining me today. Excited to be here. Good. Well, let's dive in. Many organizations that we work with, I know, are very concerned about being a welcoming and inclusive place to work. Uh, Their intentions are clearly in the right place. Um, It's something that they talk about. We hear them thinking about it. That's all good. Their intentions are in the right place. But when it comes to including transgender people or someone in transition, I think they get overwhelmed, don't know where to start. Does this sound familiar to you? Absolutely. You know, I I do so many trainings with workplaces, with colleges and schools, uh, and I I can understand it. It's it's hard to understand and grasp uh, the reality that transgender people are facing, whether they are in transition uh, or just trans people who who are coming to your workplace uh, and maybe have some different needs healthcare wise or personnel wise or things like that. It's easy to get lost in the details when really it is a much more simple uh, for many trans folks to, to ensure that we have an inclusive workplace, an inclusive environment, um, and to not get too caught up in the details is really critical. Let's start by defining some terms. How about that? Sure. So transgender. Yeah. yeah. So so the umbrella definition we use for the word transgender, and you'll hear the word transgender as well as the word trans, uh, and both mm-hmm. of these are umbrella terms to describe somebody whose gender identity or gender expression differs from the sex they were assigned at birth or society's expectations based on the sex we were assigned mm-hmm. at birth. And we have to understand that gender identity and gender expression are different and distinct, uh, and those are both different and distinct from sex. Uh, and so all of these are different components all, that all of us have. All of us have a gender identity. All of us have a gender expression. All of us have a sex we are assigned at birth. But for transgender people, it means our gender identity and gender expression doesn't necessarily line up with society's expectations be- based on the sex we were assigned at birth. And that can include, that umbrella term can include, uh, for instance, uh, trans men, uh, meaning men who were assigned female at birth but identify, uh, know themselves to be or express themselves as men. It can include trans women, uh, meaning women who were assigned male at birth but identify, know themselves to be uh, or live as women. But it also includes non-binary people, people who are not a man or a woman. Uh, And so they may use, for instance, they, them, theirs pronouns. Uh, They don't identify as he or she, boy or girl. Uh, They are simply uh, a human outside of the binary of man or woman. So those are some basic terms. And it's, you know, there's a lot we could go into there. Um, But it's important to understand that there are are so many different experiences and identities under the trans umbrella. Right. So and again, it is not as simple as thinking about one that I understand transitioning to something else that I understand. It is broader than that. Exactly. Yeah. 
So talk a little bit about the word then transitioning. When we're talking about trans people, a transition can mean everything from changing your name, changing your pronouns, uh, changing your gender expression, meaning your clothing or or other aspects uh, of gender expression. Uh, And it can, for some, include medical care and it can include surgery or hormones. But it's important to know that that's not true for all trans people. Not all trans people have surgery or go on hormones. Many do, but not necessarily all. Got it. Okay. Very helpful. Thank you. With our listening audience in mind, who are largely employers, and I know that many HR people, this is an issue that they, it falls to them to help their organization through. There are many managers that wind up getting involved with how do we do this well and create an inclusive environment. Um, it might be helpful to talk about what an employer's legal obligations are uh, for creating an inclusive workplace with transgender in mind. Sure. And I I can put on my my lawyer hat as a a lawyer. It's important to understand, first of all, we have employment non-discrimination protections here in Massachusetts, meaning that nobody can uh, should be experiencing discrimination in their workplace that is prohibited. Uh, Nobody should be denied a job or fired from a job on the basis of coming out as transgender. Uh, But we also have federal protections. The EEOC has recognized that uh, gender identity is covered under sex discrimination uh, and therefore is also federally protected uh, from discrimination discrimination in the workplace. Um, And so what does discrimination look like? Well, you know, there's the obvious elements of nobody should be fired from their job if they come out as transgender to their uh, employer or to to their supervisor. Sure. Uh, But there's much more subtle and nuanced aspects of discrimination that I hear every day from trans people, whether that be uh, somebody who refuses to utilize somebody's pronouns. Uh, And so Mm. if somebody changes what pronouns they use uh, in the workplace, um, if a, a supervisor or employer says, no, I won't call you he when that's those are the pronouns you want to have utilized, I will only use she pronouns, that is discrimination. Um, mm-hmm. Saying something like, uh, you know, you can't use the restroom at the workplace because it may make other people feel uncomfortable. Well, now you're you're taking away uh, an essential part of a workplace that uh, all people need to use, and, and that is discrimination as well. Uh, so there's a lot more nuance to it. Um, But at the end of the day, ensuring that you treat trans employees uh, and trans folks uh, with the same rights and dignity as you would anybody else is critical. Yes. And not denying somebody their own and chosen identity, in effect. Right. Okay. Um, So that is a discussion about the legal framework and in many ways what they can't do. Um, You work with lots of employers what are the concerns that even well-intended employers run into again and again as they begin to think about doing this effectively? Sure. Well, you know, first of all, and, and I say this every time I do a training, you don't have to be an expert. You do not have to be an expert in trans identities and trans protections and, and any of this. Uh, there are organizations, including my own, the Mass Trans Political Coalition, who can be your in-house expert. We can you know, work with you to do trainings, provide technical assistance, all sorts of things to, to ensure that in those moments where you don't know what to do, there are people out there who do uh, and who can help and, and guide you through this process. Uh, you know, I think at the end of the day, the, the number one thing I always recommend is working with the person who's transitioning or who came out as trans or who's been employed who's trans, uh, talking with them one-on-one and say, how do you want to handle X, Y, or Z? 
Um, and, and as an HR professional, you know, I'm sure a lot of people can understand that this is the number one thing to do is to work with the individual, give them some autonomy uh, and some uh, choice in how they handle a situation and working with them as a partner, not as an issue or a problem. You know, your, your employees are not issues or problems. They are people who deserve the basic rights and dignity and deserve to have those conversations and guide the process. Very helpful. What would you say are the concerns that you hear coming up again and again? What gets identified by the employer in terms of where their heads are at or the things that they flag as perhaps being, quote, a problem as they head into this? Sure. I, I would say there are three big buckets of questions that uh, that revolve around similar topics. The mm. first is, how do I handle an employee who's transitioning in the workplace? How do I handle, uh, you know, letting people know and, and informing the company, informing their coworkers or, coworkers or clients or anything like that? But that whole, what do I do when I employee transitions. That's one big bucket. And does that really get to, I don't know how to talk about it? What, what does this mean? Sure. It, it is. It, it, there's so many questions that come up in that, that bucket of work of, I don't know how to talk about that. I don't know how to uh, figure out pronouns. When can I change somebody's name in my database? When do I change their gender marker? What do I do about their health care? Uh, how do I inform clients? How do I inform other coworkers? Uh, th there are so many things that come up with that bucket, uh, but a lot of it does center around language uh, and how we talk about these things. Got it. Um, so that's, that's one big bucket. The Second, you said was bathrooms. The bathrooms. Uh, so a lot of questions that I get, and, and this is a very kind of transactional question, is uh, I have an employee who's trans-identified or who has uh, come out as trans, um, and somebody, uh, maybe me, maybe somebody else, doesn't feel comfortable using the same bathroom as that person. Um, or, you know, how do I handle the bathroom situation? Sometimes it's not even something that has come up in discussion. It is creating a, a question or issue before that has ever even presented itself. And the third that is a little bit more nuanced and doesn't always get brought up in my first interaction with employers, but it certainly comes up later on. How do I handle paperwork? How do I handle my database? How do I change all of this information? Um, you know, if somebody is uh, uh, one common thing that comes up for trans people, uh, so thinking of the employee side, which is I, I have a common use name, the name that I go by every day, but I can't afford a name change. And so I haven't been able to change my name on my license, my social security card, any yeah. other information. How do I apply for a job coming in wanting to have this name utilized, my common use name, even though it is not my quote-unquote legal name according to my, my documentation. Uh, and so that is a question that employers should be considering and thinking about either from the um, hiring side of things, but also once somebody is hired or employed, how do I handle all of the paperwork associated with name and gender marker changes? Got it. Okay. I would love to hear a success story. I think it's that context often that is the best way to learn and think about what choices I might make as an employer. So are there any that come to mind for you of an organization that has just been proactive, thoughtful, and perhaps in your mind set a gold standard for how to go about this? Yeah, you know, I think there's so many success stories I, I could talk about. I, I want to just raise up the hallmarks of, of what to me is a successful situation. The first is coming in and doing some proactive training before somebody comes out in the workplace. 
Um, I'm usually called in uh, to do trainings and workshops and technical assistance after there's already been a problem. Mm. Whether somebody has, uh, is transitioning and it didn't go well, a, a notice went out and it was nobody was happy. Um, and so I get called in when things have already started to unravel. Damage control mode. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I love is when an employer comes to me and says, hey, I saw the law change or I saw the ballot question three or I saw some element of, of uh, trans-inclusive work or language and I want to I do that. I want to be at the the front lines of that work. Uh, help us get there before anybody is out as trans, uh, or or maybe somebody's been out as trans, but it's gone well. They, they just want to do better. That to me is a hallmark of a, a great organization or business who's getting it right. Because the fact is, you know, I, I've worked with employers, uh, and I, I've kind of pitched a training to employers, and people may say, "Well, we don't have anybody who's trans here," and my answer is. I'm sure you do, and you just don't know it. Uh, or it could be, and, and the trans community, we are a very small community. We, we chat a lot. We are very well connected. Um, and it could be that nobody who is trans is coming to you either for employment or services because we know that you're not a friendly place. Um, and, and so you're not a place that we want to go to. So, so in short, there are employers already lo- losing out on good talent because they've, in effect, been flagged within the community as a place to avoid. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. With no discussion. The hallmark is doing something proactive, having these conversations first uh, versus damage control or not even responding to the ability to control the damage that you've already done. Um Beyond that, you know, some other hallmarks, uh, I will say the the last uh, election season, we had ballot question three, which was a trans rights ballot question. Um, and there were hundreds of businesses who signed on in support. So not only do they want to do the work to be trans inclusive, or they already have policies in place, and they're already doing that work. Uh, but now they are being proactive of supporting their trans employees in a very public way. On the record. On the record. uh, You know, they were listed on our website. You know, some of the businesses who were the first people at the table include um, Eastern Bank, uh, Harvard Pilgrim Healthcare, uh, and Google, actually, were were some of the first three who really led uh, the business coalition uh, for trans rights. Um, And now I think when people come to me and say, what do you recommend for trans inclusive health insurance? Well, I can tell you who was at the first, uh, one of the first people at the table. Uh, for trans rights. Uh, You know, Eastern Bank has been a stalwart supporter for transgender rights way back in the beginning. Uh, And so I think it's really important to lift those folks up to say it's not just about your internal policies. It's also about external image and external advocacy. Mason, for listeners that may not know, can you explain what ballot question three is? So ballot question three was uh, on the ballot this November in Massachusetts. It was the first time transgender rights were ever on a ballot in the country. And the question had to do with non-discrimination protections in public accommodations. Uh, That was a law that we passed back in 2016, was signed into law in 2016, which ensured that transgender people can use public accommodations free from discrimination or harassment. And I just actually want to dispel one of the myths around that because people hear public accommodations and transgender and they think, one very narrow thing, bathrooms or locker rooms. But under law, actually, public accommodations means any public place. Uh, So that means uh, discrimination uh, is prohibited against transgender people in hospitals, in, uh, in the MPTA or public transportation, sidewalks, parks, libraries. Uh, restaurants, all of those are public accommodations. 
And so when we passed the law in 2016, it unfortunately, the opponents to transgender equality uh, gathered enough signatures to put it up for a referendum vote. And that's what happened in November of 2018 uh, to try and remove those protections. And our opponents were not successful. We still maintain those protections. And it was a major win for transgender rights. Let's hope that chapter is behind us in terms of the challenge. It is. I, I, I firmly believe uh, that we won. We won by a 68% margin. Uh, I feel like we, we've really shown Massachusetts and the country that transgender rights are not up for debate. Again, with our listeners in mind and employers who absolutely want to be always evolving and becoming ever more inclusive, what are the elements of uh, being inclusive of transgender that they need to think about early? What perhaps are the parts that are the hardest? And I know you called out bathroom discussion right away and those kinds of things, but perhaps what uh, what should be considered early? Yeah, things that should be considered early is, uh, first of all, it's one thing to have a policy of non-discrimination. Um, and I highly encourage uh, businesses and employers to have some kind of non-discrimination policy that's inclusive of gender identity and gender expression, not just because it's the law that we don't discriminate against gender identity or gender expression, but we as trans people look for that. Um, but so, so audit audit policy right up front. Audit policy, but also do the follow up. It's it, a policy is great. Do the follow up to make sure that everybody understands it's the policy and what does that policy actually mean? It means that we call people by their name and the pronouns that affirm their identities. It means that we provide trans inclusive health care and insurance uh, as part of a, a health care benefit package. Uh, it means uh, doing the basic. Uh, Way, things to be an inclusive place, um, whether that be just remembering that trans people were, were people. Does this translate then into quite literally a, a training for managers? This is what our policies are. This is what's behind them. This is what the implications are of policies like this. And here's what it means for you as a manager, for example. Yeah. You know, I think trainings are, are a great way to go and, and a great place to, to start. Um and it shouldn't just be managers. You know, I think it should be any staff sure. uh, that are either working with clients, if they're a public-facing uh, position, or anybody who's going to be working with a trans person, which, quite frankly, is anybody. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I, I talk a lot about, uh, in my trainings, the discrimination that transgender people face. And the fact is that trans people face double the rate of unemployment. Uh, we face very high rates of underemployment. And despite all of that, trans people are consistently higher educated and have higher experience levels than many of the general population. And so we are oftentimes overlooked for positions um, in ways that causes uh, additional discrimination and, and bias and oppression that trans people face. Um, and the fact is, if you're working to be an inclusive place, don't forget to look for trans talent uh, because there are so many talented trans people out there. Um, that would benefit your operation, your business, your company in really important ways, not just the very basics of having that diversity of perspectives, which we all know makes a better business, um, but just the, the mere fact that we have so much talent in this community. Right. A, an important element of the job market that any serious employer trying to be competitive really ought to for its own good from a business perspective. Keep in mind. Exactly. Um, yeah. And you're not going to get that talent unless you have the policies and unless you have a, a reputation and have done some work to be trans-inclusive. One of the takeaways I am uh, gathering from this discussion is the degree to which it's an active community that talks amongst itself. So this that 
as an employer, be well aware that you're being discussed in ways that you can't read, isn't documented, but is absolutely affecting who walks to your front door and volunteers to be a part of what you're doing. I get emails every day from trans people who have moved to Massachusetts because it's known to be a, a inclusive place for LGBTQ people. And they write to me and ask, who are the trans inclusive employers? Um, and, and, you know, it's it's a hard question to answer sometimes because, you know, oh, you know, what are your skills? What are your interests? But the fact is people come to me with that question. And I do have a list of folks who are trans inclusive and maybe folks who aren't. Uh, and so that is information that is well documented in the community. And uh, if you're not doing things uh, to be inclusive, chances are you, you're not on that list and you're not getting or, or seeing that talent. That's pretty concrete. Yeah. Yeah. For that organization that really hasn't stepped into this ring yet and would like to be proactive, perhaps they haven't even had an employee approach them, and for many of the reasons perhaps that you've just been talking about, what advice do you have for that employer, perhaps that HR professional that's listening today? The first is to remember that there are trans people all around you, whether or not they're out in your uh, business or in your your client base or anything like that. We are here. We have been here for many years. And we want the same rights and protections and jobs as anybody else. Uh, and so don't, uh, don't just overlook who we are as a community. We are a very strong, very uh, talented community. Um, and in that spirit of, of doing things and, and learning more about this community, hosting a training or just having a conversation or educating yourselves. There, there are so many great articles out there, books, media, um, but begin to enrich your perspective on gender and gender identity and gender expression. List some places that employer might go to begin to do that, educate themselves, enrich themselves, and begin to understand the breadth of uh, knowledge that's already available. One of the ways that I often tell folks uh, to, to begin to learn more about the trans community is actually to go on your social media page. And I'm sure many listeners have a Facebook or an Instagram and find trans inclusive organizations doing this work that post a lot. Uh, some organizations include my own, the Mass Trans Political Coalition, the National Center for Trans Equality, the Boston Alliance for LGBTQ Youth, GLAD, the GLBTQ Legal Advocates and Defenders. Um, those are just a few local organizations. Um, Freedom for All Americans is a, a national organization as well that you can follow. But follow those organizations and start reading some of the articles that they're posting. And that way you just begin to absorb it just like you absorb your, your social media feeds generally. Um, and, and you'll start to really familiarize yourself with the community, the challenges that we face at the local and national level, um, and really begin to, to become more aware uh, of this community. Beautiful. Thank you. Um, Mason, what about internal resources that an employer might look to? Well, I go back to, to what I said earlier. You don't have to be the expert as the employer. Uh, I highly recommend reaching out to your employer assistance program prov uh, partner or provider uh, to figure out what they know and, and what resources they may have available. Uh, and they may be able to put you in touch with organizations like my own or others who are doing this work to be inclusive and provide resources uh, to a, a broad array of uh, businesses, organizations, et cetera. Great. Thank you. Mason, I really do want to thank you for your time today. This was very enlightening, and uh, I just really appreciate you giving us the time. No, thank you so much for having me. This was a great conversation. Thank you, Mason. From KGA, this is The Difference at Work. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. 
please subscribe to our podcast wherever you access podcasts. You can find all the organizations and resources we've referenced in this episode on our podcast page of our website. Just go to kgreer.com, that's K-G-R-E-E-R.com, and click on the podcast icon. You can find KGA on Twitter under the handle at KGA Inc. and on LinkedIn. If you want to talk further about anything you've heard on this podcast, we hope you won't hesitate to call. We can be reached at 800-648-9557. Thank you for listening.